We're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 tonight in your Bible, the book of 1 Timothy and chapter number 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Glad to be in church tonight. Say amen. Amen. Me too. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. First Timothy chapter number four. And uh, we're going to read down the first six verses. So if you'll follow along tonight, I'll try to read this. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast, uh, thou hast attained. I'm going to do a little... Uh, Teaching tonight might throw some preaching in there, but I'm going to do a little teaching tonight on this subject. Why are we Baptist? Why are we Baptist? I'm thankful. Let's go ahead and pray. We'll get right on into it. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the time we've already had together. Thank you for those that are gathered together tonight. Thank you for those that are watching by live stream. And we just ask, God, that you'd help us by your word, uh, Lord, to be grounded in doctrine we're not, we're not, we really don't care what, what man has to say. We want to know what you have to say about things. And so, God, we pray for divine direction and help. Give us clarity of mind. Help us to keep moving. Give us clarity of speech. And, Lord, uh, whatever needs to happen in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls tonight, because of the preaching of your word, we pray it would be so and we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm very thankful that in April 1984 that God saved me out of, out of a life of drug addiction and, and alcohol addiction and changed my life. Uh, I'm very thankful also that uh, sometime after that, that he led me into a Baptist church, a Bible-believing, teaching, preaching Baptist church, someplace where I could learn the Word of God. I was a rebel from the beginning. I was a rebel when God saved me. And even after salvation, I wasn't crazy about what men had to say. I wanted to, I wanted to know what the Bible had to say. I wanted to know what God had to say. And I'm very, very thankful that God led me to a church such as that, where I could begin to learn and get grounded in this book. Uh, but it comes to mind with some people, why are we called Baptist? I mean, why are we called Baptist and not Lutheran or Methodist or just Christians? Uh, 
Well, Baptists are different than every other religion because of our doctrine, because of what we believe. I've said it before, and it's really the truth. The Bible makes me Baptist. The Bible is our doctrine. Well, does your church have doctrine? Sure do. Well, what is it? Well, just read the Bible. That is our doctrine. Nothing apart from that. We get everything that we believe and everything we act upon in this blessed old book. Because doctrine is still important. It's important. It always has been important and always will be important. Verse number six there says, If thou put the brethren... Now, let me start, slow down just a second. The Apostle Paul is writing to his son in a ministry, Timothy. Young Timothy, the preacher. And he wants to help him to be everything that God would have him to be. And so he writes this. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So we can see that it's important. it was important to the Apostle Paul as he instructed Timothy. And it is important. It's just as important today, if not more so. And Paul warned, warned Timothy that there would come a time when some would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and, and hypocrisy. And he went on to tell him in verse number 6, where we just read, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Get this, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So he told Timothy to be a good minister in Jesus Christ, uh, 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 to be be a good minister in Jesus Christ, that he had to feed himself good doctrine. Um, what goes in comes out. And so we have to nourish ourselves, don't we, with the Word of God. Come on, with good doctrine. We have to feed ourselves with this. And that's what he's telling, he's telling his son in the ministry, Timothy. Doctrine is the foundation of any religion or of any denomination. In Webster's Dictionary, Doctrine is defined as something taught as the principles or creed of a religion, political party, etc., etc., tenets or tenets, uh, belief, dogma, uh, something taught as a principle or creed of a religion. You know, every religion and, don and denomination has its own teachings or its own doctrines that govern their faith and their practice. And if that was not so, they'd have, to, they'd have no reason whatsoever to assemble together because there'd be no common ground on which to fellowship. Um, even those groups whose teachings, even those groups whose teachings are completely false are governed by doctrine. They have their own doctrine. The problem with that is that their doctrine is not the doctrine that we find in the Bible. Because our doctrine is based upon truth. The truth of the word of God. Paul said that even demons in verse number 1. He said that even devils have doctrine. And he was warning Timothy that there will be people that will turn to these doctrines. Forsaking the true doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the reason that he tells Timothy that he needs to be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. The doctrines that we find in our Bible, God's doctrines, are in complete opposition to the doctrines of devils and the doctrines of this world. And God makes it very, very clear in his word that we need to learn the doctrines of Christ and be well grounded in them so that we're able to recognize false doctrine. That, that when we hear something that is not true, that is not based upon the Bible, that we can say, oh, 
Hold on there, partner. Uh, That's not what God says. That's not what the Bible says. It's important that we're grounded in these truths. It's very evident that correct doctrine was of the utmost importance to the apostles and that they have instructed us that we should feel the same way, that doctrine is very important. Uh, And it is very important. If there is only one set of doctrine excuse me, if there's only one set of doctrine that we as Christians are supposed to follow, and there is, and that's the Bible, then we must be able to differentiate between what is right and what is false. And that's the reason that labels are important. What are you talking about labels? Well, we're talking about being Baptist. So we are labeled. And that's the reason that labels are important. The kins in your cabinet at home have labels for a reason. Okay. Um, When you're at the grocery store shopping for food, isn't it grand that there's labels on the cans? As you go down the aisle and put stuff into your cart? Because if not, then there would be many meals where it was just, surprise! Here's what you get for supper. If there were no labels on medications in your home, it might be like playing Russian roulette with taking meds. Come on, kind of like, well, I'll take these. I hope I wake up tomorrow. Not good. So I think we can all, all agree that it's real nice to pick up some product and read the label and know what you're going to purchase, know what you're going to open, or know what medication that you're about to put in your mouth. I think it's very, very important. And the same principle, uh, it is the same principle with the, with the doctrine of a church. Churches have labels for a reason, for what they believe. The doctrines of of a Methodist or Lutheran or Catholic or Presbyterian church are not going to be near the same as the doctrines of a Baptist church. It's not going to happen. There are times, though, that a product is mislabeled. Isn't that right? It's just just true. A factory may mistakenly put a corn label on a can of green beans. But that does not change the green beans into corn. Just because the label's on there. It doesn't happen. And in the very same way, there are some churches that have the name Baptist on their building, but do not hold, on, do not hold to the same doctrine that truly a Baptist church should. They've departed from the faith. They have gone their own way. They have left what this book teaches us to do. And it's, it seems like it's happening at a more alarming rate all the time that this is happening across our country. Um, that does not make the people inside that church Baptist. But it does not change the true doctrines of a Bible-believing Baptist church either. Did I say that correctly? A church that has departed from the faith like that and are, not long, are no longer holding to the doctrines of this Bible 
then those people in there that are holding to that doctrine, to those, to those truths that don't line up with the word, then just because there's a Baptist sign on their church does not make them Baptist. But again, but again, neither does it change the true doctrines of a Bible-believing Baptist church. So anymore, you just have to be careful, don't you? Sad to say. Sad to say. It simply means that those churches have been mislabeled. Or, or that the contents of those churches has changed since being labeled. And I, I don't want to say anything ugly at all. But if they're not going to hold a Baptist doctrine, they should just go ahead and take Baptist off their sign. Just not to confuse people. Truly believe that. It isn't necessary, and we certainly don't have enough time to explain what every other religion or denomination in our world believes. It's much easier just to simply examine what Baptists believe. And that's, that's going to, you stick with me and I'll try to keep moving. But true doctrine, it sets us Baptists apart. It sets us apart. Come on, look at me. Look up at, you, up at me for just a second. That doesn't make us any better than anybody. No, no, that just makes us on the right track where others have departed from the faith. Come on, that doesn't give us any reason we can look down our nose at anybody. That just makes us more sure that we can stand upon the Bible that we have in our hands tonight, which is very, very important. It sets us apart. We're set apart from other religions, including the rest of Christendom to an extent. You know, it's good that we would listen to Paul's charge to nourish ourselves in sound doctrine so that we might never depart from the faith. I'm a Baptist and I'm not ashamed of it. I got saved before I became a Baptist. I'm a Christian before I'm a Baptist, but I'm a Baptist because I believe this book. And so it's good that we would never depart from the faith. There are a lot of things that Baptists believe, but we can sum it up, uh, most of it up with the Baptist distinctives. And those are conveniently put to each letter of the word Baptist, B-A-P-T-I-S-T-S. And there's eight Baptist distinctives. I'm going to try to go through these very quickly. Biblical authority, that's our sole authority for faith and practice, being the Bible, the autonomy of the local church, that the church is directly uh, answerable to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no hierarchy. There's not somebody outside the church that runs this church or, or anything such as that. Priesthood of the believer, we are able to go directly to God through Jesus Christ. We don't need to go to someone else to get to Him. Two ordinances, baptism by immersion under the authority of the church and the, and the Lord's table, or the Lord's supper, uh, individual soul liberty, personal freedom and responsibility before God, separation of church and state. Uh, that means that we're mutually exclusive. What does that mean, preacher? The church is not to run the state and the state is not to run the church. That's what that's all about. Anyway, uh, two offices, pastor and deacon, and then the last S, saved Baptist church membership, regular assembly of believers in the church today. Now, now we're, we're not going to be able to completely exhaust these. That, that's for sure tonight. But let's take a closer look at each one uh, if we can. And I, again, I'll try to keep, keep moving tonight. The first is the most important for us Baptist, and that's biblical authority. That's why I encourage everyone and will continue to encourage everyone to bring your Bible to church. 
Because I want you to make sure that whatever I'm telling you is coming from here. And not just from here. <laughs> I, I want you to make sure that all, all the time. The biblical authority. It's, it's the fact that everything that we say or do is governed by what the Bible says. That, that means that men's opinion or men's traditions carry no weight with a true Bible-believing Baptist church unless those things are based on biblical truth. We want everything to be based upon biblical truth. And unlike the majority of other churches, when the Bible conflicts with tra uh, tradition, Baptists go with what the scriptures say. Okay, I'll say it this way. We really don't care how grandpa may have done it if it's not the Bible way. We're not all about traditions. We're about following what the Bible has to say. This has been true since the very beginning of the church. In fact, one Bible historian said the Baptist movement in history has always been back to the New Testament. This people has always refused to follow others away from the teaching and practice of that book. I'm thankful we have the Bible. Uh, the Bible has more authority than any experience anybody may have had uh, or that anything that anyone has gone through uh, uh, concerning the Word of God. It, it's true that the Holy Spirit, it's true that the Holy Spirit can speak to us, and I'm very thankful for that, but it's much too easy for someone to say that they have heard the voice of God with no proof whatsoever. Come on, if you've ever watched any TV preachers, you've heard that junk before. How they got a message from the Lord. I'm pretty sure it must have been a message from the pepperoni pizza they ate the night before that. Anyway, because we know the Holy Spirit of God's never going to contradict the Holy Bible. It's not going to happen. It, it never will happen. The written word of God is extremely important. Psalm 127, uh, Psalm 12, verse 7 says, referring to, uh, referring to the words of God says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them this generation and forever. I'm thankful that we have the preserved word of God. We still believe that this authorized King James Version of the Bible is God's preserved word for the English-speaking people. And that separates us from, from, from many because most are indifferent to which versions someone might use. In fact, they say, oh, praise God, well, they're just all the same. But things that are different are not the same. No, 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 no. They, they, they can't be. And that would result, no, 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 that results, no, when it's just they don't care whatever version. It results in a gradual loosening of the grip on very important doctrines in our Bible, such as the deity of Christ, which seems to be phasing out of the newer versions. Even the deity of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is God. But Jesus Christ is God. And so, I mean, anyway, there's so many other things I could touch on that, but I want to keep moving. The second distinctive in our Baptist acrostic is the autonomy of the local church. According to one Bible commentator, he said the classical meaning of ecclesia, ecclesia that's the Greek word found in our Bible for church, is an organized assembly whose members are properly called out from their private homes or business to attend public affairs. So we know that, that uh, an assembly must be local. You can't have a universal assembly. It has to be a local assembly, especially at the time that our Bible was written. An assembly would automatically carry with it the connotation of being local. 
You cannot assemble any other way than locally. Really, the very idea of some big universal church is just illogical. It doesn't make sense. Uh, Christ said that he would build his church so it's a specific type of assembly. Come on, the church belongs to him. He said he would build it. And if that's the case, and it is, then it has to be a specific type of assembly. But with a Bible view, a a typical definition would would then be this. A called-out assembly of born-again, baptized believers meeting voluntarily in a specific location for the purpose of fellowship and support, observing and defending the ordinances, carrying out the Great Commission, and doing all things whatsoever the Lord commands. The local church is an independent body accountable only to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. For sure, Christ is the head of the church and the Bible is our final authority. The congregation or the assembly of each local church is to search the scriptures and then allow the Holy Spirit of God to guide the goings on of that specific church. The government of the church is not to be yielded to any human hierarchy, but uh, solely to the Bible. Human authority can do nothing but corrupt what God has established. And, 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 and that's been the case with so many religions and so many denominations that men have come in with their own rules and regulation and ideas and corrupted what God has started. And then the P, we're moving along, the P in Baptist distinctives stands for the priesthood of the believer. I love this one. This is one of the distinctives that has really driven a wedge between Baptists and some traditional Christian groups along the way, the priesthood of the believer. See, because we are, as Baptists, we believe that every believer has the same access and can carry the same influence with the throne of God as any other believer. Come on, I can go directly to God. You can go directly to God. We don't have to go to somebody else to get to God. We don't have to go to a man and ask them to go for us. We don't have to go to Mary, his mother, and ask her to go for us. It's just the truth. We are, no, no, we can go directly to God and talk to God. We have access to God. So very, very, so very thankful for that. It's all dependent and it's all dependent upon a personal relationship that a believer has with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not dependent on their position in the church at all. You know, there are some that hold to the belief that there are certain clergymen that have been called to some type of a higher position of authority with God and thus, be a, must, and thus must be a mediator between God and man. But that goes completely against the Bible because 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Only one. So we don't need somebody else. We know this, we know this, in Old Testament times, God chose certain men that would speak to God because of the depravity of man. That's the way that God worked. However, the Messiah has come, the Lord Jesus Christ has come and died to restore man to himself. He died for the sin of every man. I'm thankful that Jesus died for my sin, amen. And he died for the sin of every man. And in this new age of the grace of God that we live in, in which the Holy Spirit indwells the believer, those that have trusted Christ, they they must simply approach God through who Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 calls our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's him. 
And I'm thankful that we have access to God through Jesus Christ. The modern priest of today say, I am the way. No man comes to the Father but through me. But this is entirely unbiblical and only leads to further corruption and false doctrine. We don't need another man to get to Christ, uh, to get to God. We have Christ that we can get to God. And I'm so very thankful for, so very thankful for that. Very thankful for that. The T, we're moving along great. The T in our acrostic stands for the two ordinances. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now we have to understand that those are always to be in that order. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. And for the most part, the distinguishing factor is not what the ordinances really are, but how they're to be performed, how they are to be practiced. Baptism has especially has been a major Baptist distinctive ever since the first century. Baptists have always believed that only the local church has the authority to baptize. Come on. I, I, no, no, I'm, I'm not taking anything that's not Bible. It's, it's right there. Uh, Baptist churches only recognize a baptism if it meets the correct qualifications. Come on. God's the one that set this in order that it meets the correct qualifications. Well, what are those, preacher? A scriptural subject? Well, who would that be? A born-again believer. Somebody that has trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, in, in a scriptural mode, that would be immersion. Baptism. I mean, not being sprinkled, but being immersed in a body of water. Absolutely so. And then a scriptural design. That it's an outward expression of an inward belief. Because water's never washed one sin away. Come on, it not, has nothing to do with our salvation. Not at all. We are, we are just showing the people that we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and decided to follow Him. And we're identifying with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to live the life that He would have us to live. But there has to be a scriptural administrator. A scriptural administrator. That would be the church. In our missionary questionnaire that we send out to missionaries, prospective missionaries, uh, there's a question on there. Who has the authority to baptize? And you can't believe some of the answers I get. And I always try to help them to understand. Well, the pastor has the authority to baptize. No, I don't. The only reason I have the authority to baptize is because the church gave me the authority to baptize. It is the church that has the authority to baptize, but because it is the church that the God gave the authority to, to baptize. And so, and so as, as I became pastor of Riverside Baptist Church, then I was given, I was given the authority to do baptism here at Riverside Baptist Church. It is the church that baptizes. It's, it's the, the, the administrator is the church. Even in the Apostle Paul's time, moral and doctrinal problems had already begun to plague the church as evidenced in the letters to the Corinthian church back during that time. And one Bible historian says, says uh, uh, of this, as we approach, listen, he, says, he said, as we approach 200 AD, studying it out, 
We see churches that regard other churches as so heretical that they will not receive their baptism, but insist on baptizing all who come to them from heretical bodies. The reason that they baptize those that came from these other churches is because a church that does not believe what Jesus taught is not technically a church at all and would not have the authority to baptize so that a person was never truly scripturally baptized to begin with. Come on, we're just studying the Bible. I, no, no, I understand this. I know I understand this. This, Boy, I tell you, as a pastor and dealing with things in the 14 years I've been here, I tell you, this is one of those areas that people just do not like to hear at times. They don't like to hear it. But you don't understand, Pastor Marshall, because I was baptized by my Uncle Fred down at the river, and that was such a special time. Hallelujah. I think it should be a special time. And that's fine for a good memory. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But Uncle Fred did not have the authority to do a scriptural baptism. And so to, so to be scripturally baptized, you have to be baptized by the right authority. And isn't it an amazing thing how people that, that, that seemingly thought that this was a church that they should belong to at that point decide it's a church that they don't want to belong to. But I tell you, when I got saved by the grace of God, we were first baptized by a different denomination, my wife and I. And then, as I said, we found the Lord led us to a good Bible-believing Baptist church. When we sat down, I knew the first sermon I heard in that church. It was like the Holy Spirit said, this is what you've been looking for. And so we went to the pastor, talked to him. We want to join this church. He asked us about our salvation. We told him when we got saved. He asked us about our baptism. We told him that. He said, Brother J.T. Pendergraph, who is now in heaven, he said, well, to join, to join Maranatha Baptist Church, you'll have to be baptized. He did not say rebaptized. Because all I got the first time was wet. Come on, it wasn't scriptural baptism. I'm not trying to be ugly about this thing. He said you'd have to he said you and your wife will have to be baptized. You know what I said? Whatever it takes. This is where God wants me. So whatever it takes, that's exactly what I want to do. And I'm telling you, we'll never go wrong with that type of spirit and attitude if we're trying our best to follow God and do what God would have us to do. I'm not trying to puff myself up about this. I'm just saying, man, with me, it was a no-brainer. Man, oh man, I want to be where they're teaching the Bible and preaching the Bible and believe the Bible. I, I want to be with those things. Uh, you, you just have to, boy, oh boy. And, and also, if that person was baptized... Before they got saved, they weren't truly baptized at all. Because you can't find anywhere in the Bible where people were baptized before they got saved. Baptism always follows salvation. You trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you follow in scriptural baptism. Um, and if a person, when they were baptized, really, you know, in a type of church that believed their baptism was a part of the salvation, it's not scriptural baptism because, once again, water has never saved anyone from their sins. And so there's a lot of things to be considered here. But hold on, stay with me here. But we need to have this down because people are very confused today, aren't they? Come on, as you talk to people. 
and different ones. Well, you think those people aren't even saved? I did not say that. I'm not even trying to insinuate that at all. I believe there's a lot of good people out there that have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, but they've never been biblically taught about these types of things because because it's such a uh, because it's such a controversial thing out there, and 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 uh, people are more concerned about just getting people to come and join their church than they are in really getting them grounded in the doctrines of the Bible to where they'll be to where they'll be doing things God's way instead of just the way that anybody wants to do them. And, and so, I mean, I, I think it's important that we understand this stuff. If a person, I said it, but if a person was just sprinkled and not immersed, they were not scripturally baptized. If, if a person gets baptized in a way that's not scriptural, then they only get wet. And the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper, we're talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is also a source of conflict between Baptists and other denominations. <clears throat> okay, let me stop for just a second again. God gave us two ordinances, just two. Just two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. There's just two ordinances that are, are in the Bible, two. I, I believe if he just gave us two ordinances, they must be very important. He said we're to practice them this way. I think they must be very, very important. The ordinances must be. And uh, really, as you studied out, you see that they are protectors of the church. Because baptism is the entryway into the church. I mean, you, 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 when you're, when you're scripturally baptized, you're saying, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm identifying with Jesus Christ and I want to learn how to best follow in Him. I'm identifying with the doctrines of this church. Come on. I am coming to join this church. I don't expect them to join me. I'm joining them. Come on. I'm not bringing doctrines that they don't believe in to try to convince other people. I am come to join this church to sit under the teaching of the Bible that I might uh, learn what God has to say. So it protects the, it protects the uh, uh, purity of the church that way. But also the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, we're going to get on into it. The Lord's supper protects, uh, also protects the, uh, the purity and the unity of the church. Because as we observe the Lord's table, um, as it is taught in the Bible, we are given an opportunity to search ourselves for any unconfessed sin that might be in our life, but also for any um, problems that we might have with other church members to make sure that we keep unity in the church. Because in my 16 years of traveling in evangelism, we were in churches at times, churches all over the country, but we were in churches at time where, times where this side of the church didn't seem to want to talk to this side of the church. Boy, those were exciting meetings, I mean to tell you. And it was like there was just a feud going on. And there was a click over here, and there was a click over here, and they didn't want anything to do with each other, and there was no unity there, and there was not a good spirit there. And, and I'm telling you, no, 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 the Lord's table is a time where we, where we search ourselves, we ask God to search us, and we make sure that we are right with God and with man. It's important. Absolutely important. Baptists view the Lord's Supper as a church exclusive ordinance that 
remembers Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection and, and looks forward to his second coming. That's what we're doing. There are faiths, please stay with me, there are faiths that view it as a sacrament in which Christ is sacrificed again. And some go as far as to believe that his, his actual re-sacrificed body and blood are being ingested by the partakers. I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, there, no, no, there are quote-unquote churches out there that practice that stuff. It, 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 it's way out there. And yet there are some churches that take it so very lightly that anybody can partake any time. It doesn't matter. Anytime they walk in, if they're going to have the Lord's Supper, then anybody can go ahead and be right there with it. The ordinances are, are important memorials of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and are not supposed to be tampered with. No, 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 no. They're so important. Oh, there's so much more I could say. That. <clears throat> That's why we observe the Lord's table the way that we do. And again, it's one, you know, it's just, I don't want to stay here. I'm going to move right on. But, but I'm telling you, because God has set this up the way it is, Brother Joe. And he did. He set it up with baptism and the Lord's Supper. He's the one that, that did this. It's really something that when you go to talk to people about, about these things, and they're, they're, they're saying they want to be a part of, of our church here, which I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to be a part of our church. But anyway, to want to be a part of our church here, and then I begin to explain them what the Bible teaches about these things. And they, they say stuff like, well, I don't, I don't see it that way. Well, I, I'm not, there's no argument here. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you might not see it that way. But the Bible is our final authority. The Bible is. And so we're going to do things the way the Bible says. And you know the main reason that I do that as your pastor? Because uh, I am prone to mess up stuff. Well, that's what you hear, want to hear from your pastor, isn't it? But I'm prone to mess up stuff. And I start doing stuff my way. I guarantee you, this, it's going to be a mess around here. I don't want to do things my way, Brother Joey. I want to do things God's way. Because as we do things God's way, isn't it amazing how God continues to bless us and help us and grow us? Isn't it amazing what God does around here? I mean, just in an incredible way. I, it blows me away. I'm telling you, it blows me away. It, just doing things God's way. And I hate sitting down and having those conversations. Well, I just don't see it that way, preacher. And I tell you, y'all are just so, y'all are just, just think you're so exclusive. Only to the point that the Bible says we should be. It's not like this is some kind of a quote-unquote private club. Mercy. Any born-again believer that's been scripturally baptized that wants to learn the doctrines of the Bible is welcome here. Absolutely so. And God did that for us so that we could have the type of spirit we have in this place. Where everybody's just headed, pretty much headed in the same direction. We're just trying to please God in what we do. That's what it's all about. Sure it is. That's what it's all about. We're doing good. We've made it to I. The I stands for individual soul liberty. <clears throat> now, I'm going to get through this, this one quick, but I want you to think about it. Because this deals with the fact that every person is ultimately responsible to God alone for their choices. Now, I want you to understand this. It's, no, no, this is important to understand if we're going to have a good walk with God. 
that every person is ultimately responsible to God, to God alone for their choices. I've told you, I've told you, I've told you an innumerable amount of times in the 14 years I've been here. I'm not the spiritual police. And I don't want to be the spiritual police. Because ultimately, ultimately, it's God that you'll stand before one of these days. God. When this world finally comes to an end, every person will individually stand before God and give an answer for their lives. That time will come. And because of this, no one ultimately has the authority to accuse anyone else for sin in their life. And no one should be forced against his will to believe what they choose not to believe. However, this does not excuse people from the responsibility of God's Word. They will still have to answer to God. It it, it simply means that no human being has authority over another, listen, over another human being's soul. We can all choose to do whatever we want to do, can't we? Oh, come on. We can all choose to do whatever we decide to do. No, no, whether it's for God or against God, we can all choose to do whatever we want to do, can't we? But we have to remember who the final judge will be. Who do you think you are, preacher? You can't judge me. I don't want to be. I don't want to. I'm not a judge. I don't want to judge anybody. We have a judge. He's the one we better be thinking about as we continue to go through this life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some religions that exalt the church and individuals of the church in so much that they believe that some have the authority to refuse people access to heaven. I kid you not. That's crazy. The Bible makes it clear that no man is exalted over any other before God. God is no respecter of persons. We know that. No man has or ever will have authority over another man's soul. Not at all. We're getting real close. The first S in our acrostic stands for saved, baptized church membership. And we'll not spend a lot of time here because we've touched it already, but local church membership is restricted to people who give a credible testimony of personal salvation of Christ and have publicly identified themselves with Him in believer's baptism by immersion following their salvation. Acts 2.41 says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And verse 47 of that same chapter goes on to say, The Lord added to the church daily as such should be saved. One, one main purpose of baptism is to identify that person to the doctrine of the local church. If a man's not saved, he shouldn't be baptized. If he is not baptized, he has, he, and, uh, he has not publicly identified with the doctrines of the church. And if he does not agree with the doctrine of the church, he should not and cannot be a member of the church. So that does not mean, please get this, I'm trying to rush through. That does not mean that others cannot attend while they're seeking to learn the truth. 
We have people that attend Riverside Baptist Church on a regular basis that are not members of the church. Hallelujah. We love visitors around here. I'm thankful that anybody would come and put up with me whatsoever. I'm thankful. No, no, no. We want people to come because we want them to hear the truth. We want them to learn the truth. We want them to know the truth of salvation, that Jesus Christ died for their sin, shed his blood, rose again after the third day, and, 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 and that he is in a soul-saving business. But anyway, where we are here, members of a church have to be saved and baptized. And especially in this day of universalism and ecumenicalism, this doctrine is widely ignored. And this is dangerous as it leads to the watering down of the doctrine of the church to avoid any type of church conflict. But that was never meant to be the case. How can two people that believe differently ultimately get along? The only solution would be to render, listen, the only solution to that, <clears throat> excuse me, would be to render doctrine unimportant and assemble solely to appease the conscience of the members. And I believe we see a lot of that going on in our day and time. People going to church to kind of soothe their conscience a little bit and never really truly growing in Christ and just going on about their the second T stands for biblical example of two offices, pastor and deacon, two offices. The pastor, which is also referred to as an elder or bishop of a church, is the one who has the most responsibility to God in regards, in regards to the church. Because the pastor is the man that God has placed to be an under-shepherd of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. But because so much responsibility is placed upon him, decisions are always to pass through him. But that does not, please get this, because as your pastor, I'm saying it and I mean it. That does not make a pastor a king or a dictator of a church. At all. Not even. No, 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 no. I'm just the one that's responsible for everything that goes on around here. And so I try to keep up with things the best I can. Brother Bob, I try to keep up the things the, the best I can. That old thing, I remember when I was in evangelism, people would say, oh, the pastor's always the last to know. I'd think, well, that's crazy. That's nuts. It's not nuts. <laughs> it's not nuts at all. Now people come and ask me, pastor, what do you think? Oh, stop right there. I'm just a pastor. I don't know anything. But I am responsible for everything that goes on. And that's why I try to keep track of what's going on, what's not going on, whatever the case may be. Because ultimately, one of these days, I will stand before the Lord and give an account of you all. That makes me lose sleep sometimes. But I'm thankful God has put me here in that position. Two offices, pastor and deacon. The role of a deacon is to assist the pastor in serving the congregation so that the pastor can give himself more fully to prayer and to studying the Word of God. And, and these are the only two offices that the Bible assigns to the church. There's just two offices. Pastor, deacon. The only two offices you can find in the Bible whatsoever. And there are a lot of denominations out there that try to set up hierarchies. Listen, Hierarchies both outside the church and inside the church. 
They have hierarchy outside the church that people can contact if they don't like what's going on. There's hierarchies inside the church that lord over the pastor and, and run him the way they want to run him. They take away they take power away from the local church and place it in the hands of, of, of boards and committees and sometimes even one man, such as the Pope. And, and this outside hierarchy sometimes even has the power to take out and replace pastors of churches that they don't even belong to at the time. But that can only lead to corruption. And, and the last, but certainly not the least, is the second S in Baptists, which stands for separation of church and state. I'm thankful for this one. And many have misconstrued this to mean that God cannot be mentioned in government-run agencies. But it's about time we stood up against that. I'll say it again. It's about time we stood up against that because that's never what separation of church and state ever, ever was supposed to mean. Ever was supposed to mean. No, 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 no. In reality, it simply means the church cannot run the state and the state cannot run the church. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. They're clamping down. They're certainly clamping down up in Canada right now to the extent that they're throwing pastors in jail for preaching certain things, arresting them out of their homes, shutting down churches, No, what a shame. What a shame. And we just need to pray, continue to fervently pray that it'll be a while before that happens here. But I think that if certain powers were in power here in the United States of America, that would happen here. I do believe that, sad sad as it is. Before the United States of America, it was very common for a state to force a certain religion upon its people. Even Constantine forced Christianity to an extent upon Rome. And this was one of the devil's largest tools in the persecution of the true church. Religions such as Catholicism, Lutheranism, and Islam gained power in the government. And because the Baptist forefathers would not accept doctrines, the doctrines of these different religions, and, and uh, because of that, laws and decrees were made to persecute and kill them. Kill who? The Baptist. I mean, you study Baptist history. Fifty million of our forefathers were slain because of the belief of this book. Just because they believed this book. And they wouldn't bow down to any state-run religion. Yeah. Everybody should, everybody should, everybody should study their Baptist, Baptist history. Everybody should study that. Anyway. That was carried into the American colonies. We know that. And it wasn't until a Baptist from Rhode Island was granted permission from the King of England that a colony acquired freedom of religion. The idea of separation of church and state has within, has within it the idea of, of individual soul liberty. We should have that. The Bible teaches that every man must make his own choice whether or not to believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, forcing, forcing someone to believe against their will is not belief at all. Not at all. 
God-ordained government as an institution that's responsibility is to defend the land and enforce justice. It's not the government's job to teach Bible doctrine nor to run a church. Not at all. Not at all. So let me close with this. When all the biblical distinctives, distinctive doctrines of a Baptist church are taken into consideration, we can better understand why we can't yoke up with some. With some. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? We have to be very careful, don't we? That we do not become contaminated with uh, unbiblical doctrine. We have to be careful. Members of a church should hold the same doctrines. And that's what makes for a good spirit of unity in a church. And Paul warned churches and companions over and over again that doctrine's important. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like, boy, boy. And here's what, here's, what, here's what some of the modernists are saying. Hey, yeah, well, doctrine divides. Sure does. No, no, it does. It divides the believers from the unbelievers of this book. Truly. Well, we have our own doctrine. If it doesn't come from this book, it doesn't mean anything to me. Not at all. In the age of universalism and in inclusiveness, may we always strive to be good ministers of the faith. I mean, warning the brethren in, of the heresies while... As, as the Apostle Paul said, while nourishing ourselves with the words of faith and good doctrine that we have attained from our Bible and our forefathers throughout the generations. Every Baptist needs to read the trail of blood. If you've never read that, you ought to take time to read that. May we allow God to use us as tools of preservation until He comes back. And He's coming back. Tools of preservation. Well, you know, preacher, it's just so controversial. I, you're not telling me. I, I know. I know I know it is. And, you know, I just want to get along. Hey, look. No, no, no. Look up here. I'm, I'm done. But I want to get along too. I, I want to get along, Brother John. I want to get along. But I don't want to compromise the truth. Not when the one that gave it to me is the one that saved my soul. I don't want to compromise his truth. No. I'm not a Christian because I'm a Baptist. But I am thankful to be a Baptist because of my belief in the Bible. And we should never be ashamed of it. We don't have to be ashamed of it. And we should know what we believe. That's just a fact. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you for the truths that you have imparted to us and that you have preserved in this old King James Bible for over 400 years now to us English-speaking people. And I pray, Lord, we'd be very grounded in truth. Lord, that we would be uh, decidedly determined that we're going to stand 
for the faith. Uh, we're not going to veer away from it and we're not going to let people steer us away from it. But Lord, that we'd be good ministers of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Help us, Lord, to be strong as we continue on through this world, this dark world. Help us to continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that don't know Christ. Help us, Lord, to just be good servants for you, we pray. And thank you for your goodness and mercy. For we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand for just a moment. Our heads are